Up Podcast. I'm Summer Phoenix. And I'm Rain Phoenix. And today is Overcast. And we are here in not sunny Los Angeles, California. And I'm going to let Rain introduce our guest because his names consist of one syllable each, so she cannot screw it up. Hi, welcome to the show. And let's not forget, Launch Left is an alliance of left of center artists, a space for famed creatives to launch the next wave of music rebels but it's also an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity and today's guest fits the bill mr pete yorn ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show welcome thank you so much for being here (laughs) so happy to be here so great to meet you guys yeah you too i detected an accent I'm from New Jersey. Okay. But I don't think I have a Jersey accent. It might come out if you ask me if I'm from New Jersey, you know? But Maybe yeah. it's like my an parents, attitude. My parents have way more of a Jersey accent. For really? Sure. Yes. I want to hear it. Do you have them well, recorded on your phone or anything? Uh, like, hey, Pete. I, I have a voicemail. Like, that would be cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe like, yeah. Uh, maybe in a little bit we could we could make you do that. Right, yeah. that's You're good. a Southern California fixture, though. I've been here for so long now, longer than I was in Jersey. But I can't shake... Like if someone asked me, I've been living here since 1996, and uh, that was the year I graduated college. So I was uh, 20, 21 that summer. And uh, if people ask me still, like, where are you from? I can't just say L.A. Like I'm like, I live in L.A., but I'm from New Jersey. Like it just has to. It's just I have to throw that in there. It's true. I still identify story. with it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you have sibs. Siblings? Yeah, I got two older brothers, and uh, we're super close. And uh, I followed them out here basically. One's six years older and one's nine years older. So, um, they, I worshiped them growing up. And, uh, you know, when they were moving out, you know, my oldest one moved out first, then my middle one. And I was like, no question. I was just going to follow them out here. And now my parents live out here. No way. And so we're all, we're all here. I think it was my dad's sneaky plan. He's like, you know, he grew up in Newark, New Jersey, and, uh, he was a dentist and, I think he encouraged my oldest brother to move out after law school saying, like, yeah, check out California. Cause he always wanted to end up out here. <laughs> and so he knew my brother would follow and then I would follow my brothers and then he'd be able to convince my mom to head this way. Wow. Very skillful dad. Yeah. He was sharp in his day. <laughs> and then we even got my grandparents out for a while. Uh, you know, nothing goes on forever, but they, they lived, they had a good run out here. They lived for a while. Yeah. Well, you can't beat the weather at, at, and it's so cool that today happens to be cloudy. Yeah, my daughter thought it might rain. I don't know if she knows. Oh, you have kids? I have one, a four-year-old girl. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, it was interesting hearing his story about, you know, worshiping his brothers, kind of like you and me. No, weird enough, I was going to say it's kind of opposite in our family. Oh. Everywhere I went, my older siblings followed me. She I, is a bit of the... Uh, yeah. I moved to New York, they moved to New York. I moved to Los Angeles, they moved to Los Angeles. Yes. That does. was, that is true. Yeah. You cut um, your own road, and we're like, no, we're going to follow. Are you, you the youngest? I yeah, am the, the youngest, although I do look the oldest, so it's fine <laughs> if you feel like it's... This we keep true. running into it, and now I'm just, like, straightforward about it. Dan knew you were the youngest. Yeah. yeah. We're talking to this invisible, our invisible friend Dan, who's in the room, just for anyone who's listening. He's really cool. We, we check in with him about everything creative once in a while. So thank you, Dan. Um, He's so weird. So, oh, see, even he is, he's can very see handsome. Can see I can he see him. He's very handsome. Um, so, okay, so then I we talked a little bit about family. What do you got? I just wanted to know. Uh, 
So Jer California, Los Angeles, by way of anywhere other than Jersey? Or was it like a straight shot? I, went, I was in college in Syracuse, New York, upstate New York. Yeah. And so I went there for four years, graduated. and Did right. we study music there? No. Uh, my dad wanted me to be a tax lawyer. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah. you know, of course, he thought that would be good for me. Uh, he, he failed to uh, factor in that I was horrible at math, <laughs> really bad at it. And, uh, and but I was like, oh, yeah, you're sending me here. I'll try. I'll try it. So freshman year, I was a accounting major. And it was just like, oh, it's terrible. And uh, by sophomore year, I told him it was a hard discussion. I was like, I got to tell my dad I can't do this. I was scared to tell him. I remember. And he actually was cool about it. I was like, Dad, I can't. I'm not doing it. You know, and he was like, he's like, all right, all right. That's that's all right. So what do you want to do? And I was like, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I thought maybe I did like law. I thought maybe I'd go to law school. So I, I switched over to a major that would be interesting for law school. It was called speech communication at the time at Syracuse. And uh, that's what I did. And it was it was it was fine. But I was writing a lot of songs. It was very cold up there. Lots of cold, snowy winters. I think winter in the snow would start. Like we'd get there on like August 25th and it'd be like 95 degrees and humid. And then around September 3rd, this first blizzard would hit. And then it would be that way all the way until May, pretty much. Wow. And uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't that bad, but it was very, very cold. And so I stayed inside and... Um, a lot of isolation, depression equals songwriting? Yes, I think so. There was definitely a seasonal affective disorder kicking in. I think what saved me really from going off the deep end was discovering uh, uh, friends who like to smoke a lot of weed freshman year. And mm -hmm. like it felt like everybody in the dorm on the top of the hills, Flint Hall is called, was just smoking giant bong hits all day long. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, and I, I pretty much found myself doing that, but I still made the class and did all that. But I feel like it really helped me. Um, you know, there's some interesting uh, things in my brain, I think, that I was fighting against, like just genetically and family history and stuff like that. And I think that the weed, I was talking about it yesterday, kind of saved me uh, in a way. And I don't even smoke anymore. But back then, I think I was dipping into into some low moods and like heavy like too heavy of nostalgia. I remember everything I would write. I got really creative with writing, you know, forget about the math thing. But I remember freshman year, I would write a lot. And, uh, post bong and, hit. And that was the, uh, maybe probably I, I smoked a lot at night, but, but, um, the, the creative writing class, I remember is the one class I really remember from freshman year. And I, it's the only class I got an A in and it was just from just writing. And I wrote a lot about nostalgia like how things everything's fleeting and nothing's going to stay the same and we were 19 yeah. at this point? i was 18, 18 and uh and uh yeah i think that somehow the weed would medicated me in a way that kind of took the edge off that to from becoming too heavy you know yeah. um but uh i think i thrived at school though i, I liked it and what i what about I, music like when did you first uh, play your first chord or even realize that you could like potentially from a pretty young age like it was, was something I could hear and do um, like uh, drums was the first thing I learned and my older brother my middle brother had a drum set in our basement and uh, I would just sneak back there and start playing and it was just like I remember he showed me like you know, hi-hat, snare, kick. And I was like, and I was a lefty but I play, he had a righty set so I just learned to play straight on a, on a, on a righty set but it was just it was just easy. I was like, oh, I can do this. And I remember growing up thinking like that was something that I was proud of that like if like, you know, some kid was like, you know, whatever, you suck at this or you're, you're funny looking or whatever. I remember being like, not that I was like heavily bullied, but 
I remember thinking like, yeah, I can do this. You know, I could like just go off on the kit or whatever. So it was cool. I made a video about kind of about that once about this kid. There's a song called Lost Weekend and there's a video where this kid in suburbia is just like letting it out in the drums, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, that was a fun outlet. And my, my parents tried to give me uh, piano lessons when I was like five, six, but I was too hyperactive as a kid. So I wouldn't sit and, and, and uh, pay attention. So that was out the window. But then I'd come back to the piano on my own and I heard a song like a Howard Jones song. And I was like, oh, I could play this myself. You know, I didn't even just could hear it and play it. And uh, so that was a cool good tool. Ear, natural ear then. Yeah, I had an ear. And my mom, you know, my mom was like a good piano player. And I remember like, yo, mom, like, jam with me, whatever. And she, if you, she was useless unless you put music in front of her. She just couldn't do it. And I'm just like, I don't want to be like that. And so I never learned to read music uh, as a time at that time, all the way till you know, till now. I still can't read music, even though now I wish I could read music. But uh, for a long time, it was always like, I don't want to learn how to read music because it's going to make me like everybody else. You know, yeah. I feel like it's I, amazing you know, that you actually. I was the opposite. I was like, God, I want to learn to be like everybody else, <laughs> and I felt like, and I couldn't no matter how hard I tried. So it's amazing that you had the sort of like sense of self strong enough to be like, mm, don't want to be like everybody else going to stick on this path. Yeah. And I think part of it might've been just like part of my, who knows, maybe it was just me being lazy. You know, it might've been me just rationalizing it saying like, yeah, I don't need to learn that cause I can do this anyway. And yeah, this is why it's cooler. You know, who knows? I don't know. But I remember thinking, like for some reason I'm picturing myself 18, 19 at that point thinking like, yeah, I don't want to learn to read music at all. Cause people were like, well, why don't you do music theory or take some of those classes? And I was like, oh. cause I remember that everything was all the kids I knew who did that. They seemed boring to me musically at that time. They it was kind of shred like you did. On the drums. That. It just seemed like to me, it seemed lame to like learn that stuff in that way or if you if you were gonna you were gonna be like a classical type artist or right. something like that which is amazing but at that time i think right. it was like it wouldn't seem cool to me i was like you're supposed to like learn this on the streets you know it seemed supposed to be like that sort of thing what were some of the first musical influence and influences that made you want to play music um everything you know goes back to my brothers my older brothers you know as a kid when you're in your basement literally and they're in high school and you're still seven years old and they come downstairs with like these like kind of like you know stoner dudes and they're in ripped jeans and they're bringing like marshall stack amps down the basement and they're plugging in i'm just like so romantic just kind of like out of nowhere like i don't i don't remember anything and then i remember this right. and I remember just thinking this is the coolest thing ever and they're Im immediately they're playing like you know breaking the law and like you know fun metal covers and i remember just thinking wow this is cool and then i also remember thinking really fast like i can do this you know like i can do this better you know like being a little wiseacre kid <laughs> and you know and i would i would jump behind the drums when they leave and just start playing and my brother always tells a funny story there's a song called dance the night away by van halen it's a very good song and uh, has this kind of opening drum, signature drum beat. And I remember it's like him and his him and his buddies like left and then they, they came back and they were in the kitchen and they hear the opening of that song, like perfect, like who's in the bass, who's playing that? And my brother always remembers, he walks in, it was me. And uh, we always laugh about that. Um, but so Van Halen? Halen was a big influence for sure. Everything changed. Like, so I wasn't writing songs until probably like 12. And so 
Well, I remember that late. Huh? I remember oh, when take your time. I remember, <laughs> but the big, there's a big change that happened and you guys will probably relate. It's like, so I was little, it's like, I was like Iron Maiden, Jewish priest. That was it. And I was on the drums, but those bands, as much as I love them, never made me want to dress like them or I never really understood what it felt like to sing those songs. It just was this thing that was fun, you know? And then I remember my middle brother came back from freshman year at university of Maryland and he comes in, he's got like two tapes. He's got, uh, the cure head on the door and he's got uh, Smith's, um, uh, queen is dead. And two songs. I remember he played, uh, he played big mouth strikes again, which has this really fast percussive guitar. And, and then he played a cure song called, uh, in between days, which also has this really fast percussive strumming guitar in those two songs blew my mind. I never heard anything like that before and immediately made me want to learn guitar. Mm. And then I was like, I don't know. I feel like what have these guys are singing about. I just like, I want to dress like these guys. And like, you know, all of a I started wearing black and, and, and I, I didn't become super goth, but like started like wanting to have the Morrissey hair and everything. And I became obsessed with that music and I wanted to write songs just like that. I used to sing with an English accent when I was oh a kid. God, so <laughs> I was cute. like, I really wanted to do that. And, um, and then REM was like the American band at the time that also did the same thing for me. And, um, and so that, as soon as I grabbed the guitar, I remember I, I would start writing songs. Like I wasn't like, I would try to write, like it just would happen. Um, wow, you, do you play lefty? I don't, I can't play lefty. I'm left-handed too. And I don't either. Yeah. Like I air guitar lefty. If I, if I didn't know any better, I would think I would want a lefty yeah. guitar, but if you put one in my Even hand in competition, what's that air guitar? Yeah. No, it's not great though. Yeah. That's interesting. I learned, I think it's cause I learned, right. My brother taught me for chords, like folk chords when I was like eight. She still plays and I same still play the same chords, chords no. and I still play right. And I also feel like because this is my left hand making the chords, it makes more sense because that's the harder thing for me. I mean, not that I'm a good strummer, but they're case in point because I'm using my right hand. I can't strum very well. But you know what I mean? I can't imagine having to make this right hand do chords because yeah. I don't think it would do a good job. So yeah. that's, <laughs> it's interesting why. But my friend Maria Taylor plays left and I lo it looks so cool because she and her bandmate Orinda will be opposite. You know, like the guitars point at each other. Yeah. You I know, Orinda? Orinda. Yeah, she sang on one of my records. She's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah, they just played with us the other night. It's oh, really, right. They're so great. But I loved seeing the image of both the, the headstocks pointing at each other on yeah. stage. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. Fake I it. <laughs> I feel it. Well, no, Paul stood on the other side, so his headstock was facing out, right? Was Paul's on the Beatles? I mean, oh, that's I, right. Yeah, but it's a great image if you're on if you arrange it right on yeah, stage. Yeah, which yeah. is how they have it. So it's like this cool looking thing. I don't know. Yeah, I just had a flash. I totally forgot. I jammed with your brother once with what with Joaquin. Yeah, yeah. In Philadelphia, in a hotel room, he had, used to have this like. I think it was his chef or trainer who was always with yeah. him years ago. Uh -huh. I just totally forgot about this That's until so now. Crazy. That and he was working on, I think, fire, maybe The, the Village. Maybe the movie The Village. Oh, and uh, we all had a big dinner at this hotel in Philly. And then went up to his hotel room and three, like, had a little jam. It was super chill. It was great. I totally That's forgot. Awesome. Yeah. That's sorry. Great. Right. Fun. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm glad it, it popped into your head. Yeah. I mean, it was so memorable that you totally no, it was. I remember it. It was. It was so, so long ago. You know, yeah. as now that I think about it. It might be like, you know, it's like, it's probably like years 17 ago. years ago, yeah. 18 years ago. Yeah. 
I got caught up on thinking about you had said that the conversation uh, that you had with your dad or that you were going to have with your dad about not doing tax law uh, or tax accounting was difficult uh, thinking about having that with him and that it went over a lot easier and better than you assumed it was going to. You had also said that you willingly went along with the whole college thing saying like, okay, I'm going to try that. Do you think that that attitude of showing your father that like, okay, I'm willing to give this a go and, and, you know, be there and try and do it had anything to do with his like better reaction to you being like, you know what? I tried and I'm not, I'm not in. Yeah, possibly. You know, I don't think he was that, I don't know where his head was. I might have just caught him on a good day or a good moment. Um, <laughs> for me, it was like, you know, college was something, the way we grew up, it was like, you know, it was like, I couldn't wait to go to college, just seeing my older brother go. And I grew up in the animal house era. It was just like <laughs> college. Yeah. You know, and, and I didn't take it for granted that you can go there, but you know, some kids are growing up and they're like, they're, they're in a position where they can't wait to go learn something and, and, and do that. And I remember, I'm going to be honest, I was, you know, I grew up in suburban Jersey and I would just like to go party at college. Like, you know, that's what, like, that's, it felt like synonymous with going to school. It was a, a given that I was going to go to class and, and learn something, but I was just like, I'm going to be out on my own and I'm going to go get to experience this. You know, I got into Tulane early admissions in my in New Orleans, mm -hmm. and my dad wouldn't let me go. He's like, "Nope, there's no way I'm letting you loose in New Orleans." And uh, and he was probably probably you probably know a good choice, probably dad. a good choice. He knew I'd run wild, but uh, you know, I still have a lot of great friends from school. But the funny thing about that conversation, you know, I had I had done so bad freshman year in the math classes. I need to take another class that summer to kind of catch up. It's matrices or matrices, and. Uh, I had to do it in Jersey at, a, at the, at the local college. So I went and I waited in this line for like two hours to register in the summer. And, and then the, the first day it was Montclair state university. And the first day of class, I show up, I'm sick, I got my book from the bookstore and I'm sitting there. It's probably like 30 of us and the teacher launches into it, a professor or whatever. And within five minutes, I raised my hand and asked to go to the restroom and then I went and I never came back. And I think I saw that in the movie Summer School and thought it was funny. So I was like, I'm just going to do that. But I'm, but I'm actually not going to come back. And I made the choice then that, you know, I can't do it. It's just not for me. And so that ride home, I was like, oh, my God, dad's going to kill me, you know, whatever. And uh, I told my mom first and she's like, all right, just tell your dad, whatever. And I told him and he was cool. Maybe she prepped him. That might have been mm. that might have been the difference there. Do you find that that is possibly a theme in your life? Have you noticed that ever again where you have had like a fear around, say, anything? And it's less, it's always less difficult than you think. Absolutely. I think that um, the, you know, the, an the anticipation in our minds, you know, uh, and the stories we tell ourselves about what something's going to be like. That's one thing I've learned, you know, over the years, uh, which has improved my life vastly for mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. on a daily level. Mm -hmm. But like, you never know what you're going to feel like in that moment. You never know what you're going to, uh, how something's going to go, even though your, your ego might think, you know, exactly how it's going to go. And, uh, 
you know, these are great things that you pick up over the years, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, it takes the heat off me. And that, it all goes back to kind of being in the present moment. You know, it's like you catch yourself even 20 minutes from now, I got to do this thing. Oh, I got my teeth clean later. Oh, it's like, just be here. This is where it is. And you'll react to whatever you're going to react to in the moment as you're there. Mm-hmm. I heard a great thing. Someone said, be here now to be there then. Mm-hmm. And no matter how my dad reacted, you know, luckily, you know, my situation wasn't too hairy, um, with whatever, if, if it was mad or disappointed or not, it wasn't, it was never going to be too crazy. Um, I think another thing that really at that time I was the youngest and I feel like my oldest brother got the hardest all these expectations on him. You got to be a certain way, you know? And, uh, and then my middle brother kind of was wild and he kind of like stretched them out a lot, you know? And so by the time they got to me, they were like, eh, yeah. be all right. You yeah. know? It wasn't like, Oh my God, it's it has to be this. You, right. Hmm. Also, are you struggling with some kind of anxiety of something and you're and you're getting some inspiration from this that it might not be too hard to I do th- you want to tell me something? No, I think that everybody does. And that's why I was like pushing that topic discussion, yeah. because I feel like, of course, I'm learning that in my life, which also brought up another thought listening to you talk was like, do you are, are you talking about being here now so that you can be there then? Are you happy where you are now? And would you go back? Like, I find myself at 42. I'm like, wouldn't 20s was awesome. Wouldn't go back. Totally thrilled of the life that I led and how it got me here today. Uh, But I would not want to be in my 20s again. Yeah. um, You can't go back. So it's kind of like a pointless conversation, but it's fun to, it's fun. It's fun. Is there any other pointless conversations anybody wants to have? No. Here I am. Not with you. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. That only inner dialogue that you could have, it could be a distraction, you know? And, uh, and, some people like get caught in that space. And so then they miss this. Right. And so, you know, then the great Eddie money had a song called, I want to go back, you know, and do it all, but I can't go back. I know. And you know, Eddie just passed last week, you know, but, uh, that was a song I remember loving at the time. And I think about it, I was like, yeah, man, you can't go back. So you have to learn, you know, from, from those times, of course there's things, Oh, I wish I did that differently, but you know, we don't even know what that means. You know, like we don't know what, what if you did that differently? Then you don't even know if you'd be here right now. You You have no idea, you know? So, so, you know, it's, it's all fun to do that, but, um, I do, I feel like ultimately you have to be, you have to be at peace with where you are now and then take every step forward from that place. Speaking of present tense, uh, what's, what are you working on these days in, in a, in an artistic and musical sense? What, what's, what's been up for you, Pete Yorn? I have a new record out called Whoa. Caretakers. And, um, Ooh, I can't relate. I can relate that. to that. Oh, we can? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You totally. were the baby sister, remember? Hello. <laughs> Please do tell us about it. Um, it came out on August 9th and, uh, you know, we're trying to, trying to get the word out in various ways and, and, uh, going to be touring on it starting, uh, October 9th. First, I'm going to do an acoustic tour. Sweet. And then I'm going to do come back. That, that's in October. And then in November and December, my first band tour in like three years. Wow. Because I've been doing just these acoustic storyteller shows for the uh-huh. last few years, which has been really, really fun. Uh, Nerve wracking at first, but I wanted to do it just to challenge myself. But um, now we have uh, a band tour coming, which is exciting. It's funny, like 
once you put a record out, like I feel like all the creativity was while I was making it yeah. and now it's out. So I'm like, I'm not really creating right now other than just getting out and, and, you know, sharing the music with everybody and doing all that. And, uh, creating doing the practice. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, living it, which is all what, what you plant all those seeds for, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really, it's, it's really fun to, to have it out. And, uh, like I'm psyched to finally play shows where like I can sing the songs and people might know them, you know, as opposed to there's a new song, you know, nobody knows, you know? Um, yeah. so, so that'll be cool. Um, but, um, the guy that I made the record with, his name is Jackson Phillips. And he has a band called Daywave, and we connected at a birthday party and just kind of hit it off and uh, started recording songs together. And it was just super fun. It was like reminding me of why I started making music in the first place. I like to work fast and create, you know, uh, these productions kind of in the moment and just mm -hmm. kind of build on it and build on it. Okay, we laid this part down. Oh, I, I hear this part now. Oh, now I hear this part and just kind of build up on that. And uh, that's really fun for me. And people like sometimes like to suffer in the studio or they feel that you need to suffer in the studio to get good work. And I've suffered in the studio and recorded some of the worst music ever. So I, I believe that like it's, I, for me anyway, I like to be in a, in a headspace where it's not just like really hard. I don't feel like it should be that hard, uh, when you're in there. And if it is, maybe you need to step back and, uh, re, calibrate or something so you like hadn't that. worked with him before this you just met him at a birthday party and started making songs and we're like we're good yeah we met we met at a birthday party and uh just hit it off and then it took like three months for us to actually get together kind of for, we forgot about it it was late at night and uh and then someone like our managers kind of connected us and he's like yeah i got this studio out you know up in the hills over there somewhere like echo park mm -hmm. and uh i was like all right i'll go and when i went we just like totally just got each other and so the next time i went over like two days later we just started recording songs That's so and cool. it was fun and so we have a lot like i feel like caretakers is just the first installment mm -hmm. and then uh you know i feel like there's another record almost done and i'll probably see him next week we'll record i'll get creative again i saw him yesterday uh we we had a uh 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 a, a band thing and then uh he was like yeah come on come over let's record some more music i was like okay great so it's like pretty much every time we got together we would record another song and is we, he in the band that's gonna tour yeah so this is the first time like the guy who produced and co-wrote a lot of songs will be in the band uh for this tour that's how right how much is your process collaborative um i mean the, this one sounds pretty yeah this one you know, norm for years, I would just be very solitary writer, not really co-write with anybody. Uh, and, um, all the lyrics are, are mine, uh, for the most, for like 99.9%, .9%, but musically, uh, we collaborated a lot and it was, it was, uh, it was, um, super fun to do that. He's such a great musician and, and I feel like he'd always like he's an amazing keyboard player and guitar player. And you'd always have that keyboard part that like, like you don't hear it at all. And then all of a sudden he plays it and it becomes like such a centerpiece, like thing that takes the whole recording over the top. So um, and every time I'd be like, I don't know where it's going to come from. Like just play the Juno. And every time we play that Juno synth, this like old 80s synth, mm -hmm. it would, he would come up with the most beautiful parts um, that would just elevate the whole thing. So that was always cool to watch and fun. And um, you know, 
Yeah, so it's cool. So yeah, so this band Daywave, Jackson's band, is going to be my backing band for this oh, tour great. in November and December. And so like all those parts in the record, he'll be you know recreating live, which is I never really had uh, had a band set up like that before. So it should be fun. That's great. Yeah, it's been three years since you've gone out, or three years since you've gone out with a with a band. Yeah, three years since I got out with a band, and it would have been last. I was going to do one band show last year at a festival in Tennessee, uh-huh. and we rehearsed and we flew there and then the thunder lightning storm hit and the whole festival got canceled so we didn't get to play whoa yeah so that was that that was an expensive almost show yeah it was (laughs) it cost a little more than it needed to but uh they they had insurance it was a pay or play thing and oh cool uh we didn't get hit too hard and hopefully i don't think they got hit too hard but but uh, yeah, that, I never that, got was that rained Bonnaroo out before. Or somewhere in Tennessee, you said? it was called Pilgrimage Festival, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they just had it again last weekend. But uh, in all my years, I'd never been the weather never did that hmm. to where it got canceled. Yeah, yeah. Is it different going out on tour now that you have a child? Yes. Um, Care to speak on that at all? Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't like leaving as much. Of course, you know. I mean, years ago, I I toured a lot. I was a real like you know like i would go out like i remember the first tour i didn't tour till i was 27 though and i think that was helpful to me because like like i went to school i did that graduate i was 21 and then i was like four years i think till i was able to get a record deal which was like the holy grail back in 1999 you know and then yeah you were set for life as soon as you signed that shit well you get a record well you didn't have you know you couldn't just press a button and put your music out globally like you know now it's like i need a record deal it's like how am i gonna get heard you know and uh so that was a big deal and then i'd played around la a bunch you know but i never toured and um yeah so i didn't tour properly i was 26 maybe 26 because i toured a little bit before the record came out but um and i i always I'm glad for that. When I look back, I'm like, yeah, I was probably maybe a little too, who, I don't know what I would have done if I was too young going out on the road. And I see these kids now mm-hmm. go out and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see. I just don't know what would have happened with me. You like touring live more than, um, recording or is it, or is it equal or is one favored? I like, I love recording and creating like that time of creation yeah. is, really special and when you you know that moment where you know you don't think anything's good and it's just not going to come together and then all of a sudden something happens and it's like whoa i really like this and you're driving home and you're listening to like mm-hmm. an email of like you know the first rough mix of it mm-hmm. and you're in your car and it's that moment where you're like either you're cringe you're like damn you know or you're just like wow this is uh, something's going on here and that's what it was getting back together you know with, when i got together with jackson it was like right away, I was like, oh, this stuff feels really interesting. I, I don't know if anyone else will like it, but I, I do like it. It seems mysterious to me in a way where I don't know it too well yet. And I like that about music, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, and then it stayed, like it had staying power. Sometimes something burn real quick, yep. you know, and then you get bored of it. And yep. I was like, I kind of want to listen to these a lot. Like I kept, this is the most listenable music for me that I've made in a while and it's not once I make a record I rarely go back to it you know and so but while I'm making it I listen to it a lot and if it has that it have it has that thing where you could kind of go back to it again or keeps your interest I feel like that's that's like the most important thing right now not knowing anything because I have no idea how people are ever going to respond to my music it's like my favorite song will be like 
the, the least popular song on the record or mm-hmm. you know that my favorite t-shirt design is like the, doesn't sell I'm like oh, I don't know so <laughs> I just have to just just do what you want to do and don't yeah. worry about it you know yeah but, uh, you that's know. a really good point to, when to did, touch upon when did you, you get do? there don't though because I what are you saying only, I'm, I'm saying because like the whole the understanding of the like it feels like you are at this place in your life, in your career that you have gotten to. And with those sort of like realizations of like, I can't go back. I can't do anything different. I be here now, appreciate what I have. I've come a long way. And, or like, you can't really guess at what anything to just do what you got to do. Like those are like places I think that people come to in their lives. If they're lucky, if they're listening maybe to like a inner, voice and i guess i'm wondering like how recent of a it's a great question this is a great question and what comes up for me immediately is that i i started there i was there Mm -hmm. and and then i wasn't there and now i'm there again love it and so you know before you put out your first anything it's just you and your music or you and your art and it's just you don't really care what anybody thinks and no one's playing labels on you you know and you do it i remember so clearly and this is 22 years ago 20, i'm like i don't know who likes this music or will like this music but i like it and i don't care i hope i make a record that holds up in 10 years um but you never know but i just i really like this it feels fresh to me right now and i had to get to that place it was trial and error of learning you know the craft you know whatever how to like record better songs get better sounds and write better you know everything but then once i got there at probably 26 and was ready to put out my first record i just knew that i loved it and didn't really care what what was going to happen and had friends who made you know beautiful records amazing records got signed big deals multi multi record deals and they put it out and nothing happens and they get dropped so i was kind of like i don't have that kind of you know you know eye in the sky sort of thing about i just kind of being modest and just know i like this and then you make some music and i always approached it that way but there are other factors that come into play you're like well what I don't know everything, you know, it's me more. I feel like ultimately I had a really open mind. And so, you know, after I made my first record, I remember like if someone from the label and I made that first record, like on my own in a garage with the one, one guy with this guy, Walt Vincent and a guy, Brad Wood, ultimately the three of us, but it started with me and Walt and it was very like two guys in a garage. Just no one knew who we were just making it. And it was, it was cool. So on the other ones, I remember like the labels like, ah, well, maybe you can work with this person. You know, it opens the door for you once you put out a record and it has a little success and you could try other things. Right. And so I don't know if it was good or bad, but I had an open mind. I was like, oh, let me try it this way or try this. I'm curious to see maybe we can maybe we can get a bigger hit or something else like that. And that approach was interesting, but never really worked for me ultimately in hindsight. And you can only get that in hindsight, I feel like. But I feel like I'm proud that I had an open mind. It wasn't too like the other side of that coin is where you're just too dogmatic. You're like, no, it has to be this way. No, like, you're, you know, and that could work for some people as well. But I was never like that in some ways. Um, but coming back years later, you do. Ultimately, you'll re- you realize like you just got to do what you love is what it comes down to. Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to love you know, your job or whatever, but just do it in a way that feels like 
is, is you and the way that you want to put out into the world in that moment. And, uh, and if you get success around that, it feels way better than to get success, maybe doing something that your heart really wasn't in, you know, I'm probably easy going. Like if I got any success for what I'd be like, sweet, I could get my heart into that. If it was. <laughs> but you know, obviously I'm not like, you know, going to start doing anything too out of right. my zone. <laughs> but, right. but, uh, you know, the funny thing with music is and I don't even know how I got on this tangent, but like I was telling somebody is like, sometimes like if you like a song that you recorded and like, it's almost like someone you're dating, you bring home to your parents. And if the parents, the parents like them, then you might like the, like them even more. And if the parents poo poo it, you're kind of just, ah, you go bad on it. And it's like that in weird ways with a song, like I could be super excited about a song and I'll like play it for like, you know, people that I care about, like my brother, like, or someone like that. And he's like, uh, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I might still like it, but it'll kind of like mm-hmm. might trickle down. Maybe it'll come back. That doesn't mean it's not going to make it on the record or I might, if it's strong enough for me, I'll be like, no, you're wrong. I just love this. And that's happened many times. But if right. it's kind of like, I thought I like it. And then maybe I'll be like, ah, I don't like it as much now or whatever. I think that's a younger sibling thing. That's a, yeah. <laughs> my mind can get changed super fast, even though I don't respect my siblings at all. I still it's funny because I'm the older sibling and my mind can I think a lot if it's family like when you said your brother it's always yeah. like when it's your family that they they have a lot more sway than just anyone do you know what I mean absolutely like, or close friends obviously a lot more sway if they're like this is not why waste your time then you're just gonna stop you know what yeah. I mean unless like you said if there's something that you just need to express because I've gotten some like things like could maybe change that lyric it's a little dark I would and I'm like no I'm not doing that's a whole point of the song for me you know yeah. like there's certain things that I've had my siblings give notes on that I'm like yeah no because no, I really feel strongly the, but yeah it's gone to the but, point where you're like I'm not looking for notes I'm just sharing this with you guys yeah absolutely well and, sometimes it's like that where I just know already yeah what I want to be doing you know and those but, are the one when you yeah. th- those are the ones that you could go back and you like ah, I just know like I'm sure you know exactly there's a song that you play for someone and they're like, I don't get it. And you're like, I don't, that's if fine. you don't care that they don't yeah. get it, then you know, yeah, exactly. that's where you want to be. Yeah. And the truth is, that's what I'm saying is ultimately, even if no one else ends up getting it years later, you'll go back and you'll be like, that's still my jam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll know, you knew it was your jam. Yeah. And something that you're like, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's usually, it's going to bother you years later too, you know? Cool. You were I talking wanna, about I want to ask a question. One of we t- we asked three questions on the show. Um, I think I asked the, one. I think I asked the first one, which were some of your influences. I'm not sure you totally gave them all, but that's fine. But I got Eddie uh, Van Halen stuck in my head for some reason. But and I then know. he moved on to the Cure and the Smiths. Yeah. Oh, that's Halen right. Was we never did a musical. Yeah, like, we did. It, it, you're right. It was the Cure and the Smiths. She see, listen, she's my she researcher. Asked. She retains. I just talk. She retains. Um, uh, my question is please. about, my question is me. about, I'm just trying to annoy my sister now. Can you tell my question is about, um, passion in regard to the world, the, the bigger picture and, um, and what, what drives you or what is, you know, considering all the things going on in this world today, is there one particular thing that you really champion or, or, um, you know, bring into your life or, or big up, um, in terms of helping? Or activism is a shortcut to what we're talking about. Any form of like something that really matters to you that you believe in. Um, absolutely. I'm kind of in the the style of 
when things come up and they resonate with me, I kind of like in that moment, like I'm quick to just get online and like donate and throw, throw some cash at it, whatever. Um, and I hope that it helps, you know, that there's so much going on in the world that like sometimes and you're getting hit from so many areas. Sometimes it's just like numbing. It almost cancels itself out. But like, I'm definitely the first, like any friend, like, yo, I'm doing this charity run for this or this. Like, I don't even care what it is. Most of the time, I'm just like, great, let's do it, you know, and like just support yeah. the cause There's animals, environment kids getting sick breaks my heart you know I hate to see that um uh there's some some schooling in Africa that my my cousin is very involved with and I've been very supportive in that but I'm kind of like behind the scenes like I've done shows for benefits and tons of stuff like that and I'm totally love doing that stuff but I'm kind of like in this day and age everyone's just blasting like look uh, you know charities like charities what what you do well other people are watching you know like i just kind of like to just quietly do it you know from my phone at bed in bedtime like just kind of especially if they have paypal it's nice and easy i don't have to pull out my credit card and like if you have a charity and you're listening make sure you just get, do the paypal offer make it easy uh easy to now. just donate Button. that and uh and i hope that it all goes to to where it's where they say it's going to and uh but there's, you know, it's, it's, it's endless. Some things that pop up lately that worry me is, you know, some environmental things and, uh, for sure. And wondering if all our food is poisoned or not and, you know, stuff, but a lot of it's just overwhelming to me. I feel things pretty heavily sometimes. And so I've learned to, I've had to learn to insulate myself, uh, and take things in perspective. Uh, otherwise I'll get overwhelmed. And that's one thing I've learned how to do. I've had to learn how to do um, over time mm -hmm. because I'll just end up being depressed all day long and freaked out. Not good. Yeah. Not yeah. Good yeah. This, this right here takes a lot of inner, inner work. Do you, uh, do you have a practice, a meditation practice or, um, or some kind of, I used to do TM years ago, um, a little bit. And, um, what's your I, mantra? If you don't know do anymore you can share it what's no, your mantra no you can't. just okay i was kidding i know you can't i only asked because yeah Tim you said it takes a lot Tim, so i, can, I, I make a mantra. anyone who wants to learn tm I'm, i just i'm like dude just make here's it up. here's here's two syllables just say this in your head like for 20 minutes each day and it's it's work for some friends of mine you know there's a you know um but I, uh, yeah, I've got to a place where if I, you know, take the right kind of cocktail of B vitamins and fish oil, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and tequila and, uh, I, I'm in a pretty good, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm nice. D vitamin D. I learned I was uh, deficient in vitamin D lately yeah, and I was popping that and, uh, yeah, honestly, and to, it took the edge off. I know. And bit. to all you listeners, if you do, it's called a D hammer. And if you're feeling slightly sick and you take a handful, 10 vitamin Ds, you like OD on D, you will kill your cold before it happens. It's it's a proven clinical study they did in, in, in Europe with an elder care facility. She and told me this just the last time she was sick. It well, I works. do believe that D, I've done it. It's I do called believe, a D hammer, ladies but and gentlemen. But we how you many, heard I mean, it here we're first. taking 10 pills of, of how many IUD are we talking per pill? I IUDs? Mean, we don't no, have No, IUD is not oh. just the okay. birth control. International unit a, yeah. of, of the... Yeah. Posture. Yeah. 
You're doing a little bit of that. <laughs> wow, wow. That was my dad growing up at the dinner table. My dad would tell my mom, you're slouching, you're slouching. Oh, nonstop. That's what I was exposed to. Whoa. Never thought it was a bad thing. You just she was slouching. You're like, it's different if you do this because this just looks relaxed. I'm reclined like that, Passover. It looks like I you're in pain. It's coming up. No, that's what? Rosh Hashanah. What's uh, coming up? Passover's in April, around Easter time. <sighs> oh. Yom Kippur is coming up. That's going to be after Rosh, Rosh Hashanah. Hashanah. Yeah. yeah, I know yeah, this. Don't worry about it. I got this. Yeah. Rosh Hashanah. Can't you tell we come from that stock? That's Why, the need. So what's the smile? I'm giving him a profile for both of us. Oh. So he could, you could pass <laughs> off as Jewish. Jewesses. We are. We're we are. both Russian Jews. No, Jewish. me too. All right. No way. Five Russian Jews in the house. Wow. My mom. I mean, it doesn't count if it's your dad. Then so you, then you really are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you had said that like once you got your deal is when you sort of doors started opening for other collaborations of like ideas to maybe you know work with other people. Is that how the whole Scar Joe albums came to fruition, or no? No, Scar Joe. She was a friend that I knew since she was a kid at that time. It was like we first worked together uh, like 12 years ago now, and I knew her through my older brothers because I worked with her. And I remember when I met her, I was at like a club in New York. She was probably way too little to be there. And she was like, you're Petey. And I was like, yeah. She's like, I know your brothers. And I was like, oh, what's up? And, you know, we were like buddies. Um, did you know she could sing like that? Like when did no, that happen? That was funny. It was like... Uh, I just loved her persona, and I remember I was looking for, like, my Bridget Bardot, you know? I was like, and who is that of today? And I was like, it's like, Scarlett, it's perfect, you know? And so I texted her, and it was a, the perfect timing, I think. I was not, the text was simple. It was like, hey, you want to make a record? I got an idea. And she's like, yeah, sure. And I think it was it was right at a period where she was had a little kind of slow, slow time. And, and, and she was looking to kind of get into singing a little bit. And I had no idea if she could sing, but I knew how talented she was. I knew she could pull it off, whatever it was. Um, but the first time I heard her sing was the first day she came to the studio and she recorded all her vocals what? in just two afternoons. Incredible. Stop. She's got the greatest smoky, sultry voice. Yeah. And her persona, it was like, yeah. she just felt right for it. Um, what a great, what a great, like, idea that came to you because that was, yeah, was cool, that a cool I, collab it was like 2005 i couldn't sleep i was on crazy insomnia and anxiety i had just made a record called nightcrawler and it was about to come out and i was touring a lot i remember i was playing like i was playing an in-store show every day right before my own show and i think i just burned myself out and i was just losing my mind but i remember i fell asleep for like five minutes uh at like five in the morning after being not being able to sleep all night and trying to and that's when the dream came to me. It was like, and I woke up like, <gasps> you need to make a record with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> just do it. And that was it. And I was like, I just like had that's to so do it. Great. And it came together. Love that story. I think we're up to that time of the show. Oh, our favorite time of the show. Is it the third question? Yeah. Time of the show? Do you want to ask the third question today? I never remember what the third question is. So maybe you should do it or start it, jog my memory, and then maybe I can participate. Okay, the third question is, uh, who do you think right now, these days, musically, is doing something special that the world should know about that's, that's emerging or up and coming? Yes, I was excited. I knew this was a, a component of the show, and I was excited to share with you guys. Yeah. And it's so hard because 
nowadays i feel like by the time something gets to me it's already um, happening or happening happening or happen but i don't know this there's a there's a guy who came onto my radar uh maybe about a year ago now my sound guy jonathan gilbert Jonathan Breckenridge. I know John Gilbert. Gilbert. He's been doing hey, he sound did your sound at Zebulon. Three weeks. Yeah. That's my. He's the best. He's so great. That's such a small world. I love that. Um, he told me, and uh, he he was like out of a roommate about a year ago, and out of nowhere, he's like he finds some kid who had just moved out from Jersey and needed a place to stay, and so he became Jonathan Gilbert's roommate, and his name is Adam Mel- Melchor. Adam Melchor. M e l c h o r, and he's he's uh, this curly haired, uh, dark curly haired kid. He's probably like 26, 27 now. There's not too much about him out there right now online. Um, but he is, I guess I'd classify him as a pop folk singer. He's a, like very folk, but there's very pop elements to his songs. They're kind of like, uh, they're kind of, uh, written in a way that there's, you know, there's, there's hooks and he, he sings, he sings about human emotions and nostalgic things and working through that stuff, stuff like that. But sounds like a regular old Pete Yorn man, from 20 or so. He's very ago. different than me though. And it, uh, what the story goes, he, he went to school for opera. So he's like wow. this crazy voice, but it's not too operatic for these folk songs. And so when he sings, the melodies are really strong and catchy. They kind of get stuck in your head, but he then has this beautiful falsetto, not in quite like a Jeff Buckley way, but there's there's elements of that. But um, he just has a really striking, beautiful voice, and people are responding to it. Like you see, like he posts, he's really active on Instagram, and is he's been it's been building up like really fast. And he got a great opening slot for this girl. I think her name's Dodie, who's a folk singer from England, mm-hmm. and she seems to have a really big following. But like I think that was a great match for him because I think her fans just loved what he was doing and you would see the first you know the first time they'd be seeing him he's opening these shows and right away they're just like ah like Mm -hmm. he's getting a really great response so I haven't seen that in a while and I feel like I feel like if he gets the right push he's already doing great without it like I feel I don't even know if he's on a label like I think he's just doing it himself I think he has some good management in place but uh, he's really talented and he has the balance of the talent and uh, the he's a go-getter. He's got the, the, the chutzpah where this kid's out. He's, he's writing with different people like a lot, like, you know, a few times a week. He's out there just hustling and uh, he's, he's eager to put himself out there and he seems to really enjoy it and coming from a good place. You know, like the type of kid, if he got success, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I love that guy. You know, not like right. uh, screw that guy, you know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for him. And it's been fun to watch his his profile grow over the last year. And uh, he is the goods to go all the way. So exciting. Yes. Okay. And it, that's uh, Dodie, not to be confused with Dido. Yes. Okay. Just checking. You yes. Know. Yes. Dodie. Okay. I think she got popular from like posting the videos, you know, and she has a beautiful, uh, soft voice and uh, personality and and uh, she's she's doing very well as well. Hi, this is Pete Yorn, and the artist that I would like to launch is Adam Melchor with the song Real Estate. I still find your hair in 
my bed, in my clothes, in my mouth, in my nose, oh no. If you'll still be there when it's all said and done, or if I'll just find less from now on. Every time I Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. Everybody, 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 everybody